With 2022 fast approaching, it's a great time to look forward to see what the year may bring. There are major changes afoot with high fertilizer prices, probably here for the season, and high grain prices, hopefully here for the season. There's a lot to play for in tillage 2022, and everybody calling it a much bigger gamble this year than normal. There are also changes for the CAP, which don't come into effect until 2023, but planning must commence from July or August in 2022 to ensure the farm is set up for these impending changes. I'm delighted today to be joined by Shay Phelan and Kieran Collins, both tillage specialists from Chagas, to discuss what 2022 may bring. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Shay, we might talk a little bit about the crops already in the ground and trace back the conditions that these crops went into and how they're looking at the moment. The autumn of 2021 will be remembered as probably one of the easiest that we've ever had to drill drill crops in. Um, and uh, I suppose in a way, it was probably too good to us too early in a way, um, in that in the, a lot of guys started drilling in, in mid-September. Um, and, you know, they've been wary of years be- gone before whereby, you know, you get good weather, a, a window of good weather and a good opportunity to drill crops and it might only last for a week or 10 days and you don't get anything then for a month or two. So guys were tempted by that very good conditions where we had very dry soils, we had dry weather and warm temperatures in, say, from about the 20th of September on. And what was unusual this year is that continued all the way into, into October. Um, so in that case, like there was plenty of winter barley and winter wheat drilled probably by the 25th, 26th of September. Uh, and then guys finished off uh, in early October. And, you know, talking to some of the guys who would have been you know, digging potatoes and, and crops like that, um, with the exception of the guys in the Northwest, they didn't even get to hold up a uh, hold up drilling this year, with the exception probably of Fodderbeet. Fodderbeet is the only crop that kind of delayed drilling this year. So for the most part, I would say uh, 90% of the crops went in by the middle of October, which was much earlier than what, what would have been the case in other years. So they went in in ideal conditions. Guys that wanted to roll were able to roll those crops. Uh, and I even saw cases where guys were rolling after winter bean drilling, which is highly unusual. Um, and again, from the point of view of where guys wanted to put on pre-emergent herbicides, the weather was pretty benign and we were able to do that. There was pl- ample opportunity to get on herbicides, be it pre or post-emergence uh, this autumn. So crops have have probably got an ideal start in some cases you would say they're probably they were probably too advanced and i certainly know a lot of guys worried about bydv uh, on on that early drill winter barley um and some of those crops not all of them but some of them probably have got a second uh, application of an insecticide this year just to try and mitigate against that bydv risk but for the most part i would say crops are uh, probably as good a stand as where 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 they could have been for the last or, or that i would have seen in the last number of years so I would say most guys are, are very happy with the crops, the way they went in and the condition that they're in now. And I suppose even from the point of view, if you think of November, November has been a very, very dry month so far, or has been a very, very dry month. And even December up until now has been quite dry. So there's very little evidence so far of waterlogging in crops as well. So we're looking at the situation now at the moment where we have full crops, full stands in fields, and hopefully that continues for the rest of the winter. So she did, did all this opportunity to plant, I suppose, as, as much as people wanted and maybe even more in some, some cases, did it, did it result in the an increased area planted this year in comparison to normal? 
Yeah, if we start off, I suppose, Michael, with Oil to Rave first, which is the first crop to go in. Uh, and again, conditions around harvest time. There was a window there where there was a bit of broken weather and guys got an opportunity to put in Oil to Rave. So we reckon Oil to Rave is up about 25%. So it'll be somewhere in around region of about 13,000 hectares, which is, a, which is a significant increase in itself for just that one crop. Winter wheat and winter barley um, probably are similar to last year, if not probably slightly higher. Uh, in terms of, of of the area plant. And that's what the seed sales tell us. But we just don't know how much home save seed, if any, has gone in this year. And I presume there's some, but we just we just can't quantify that. Uh, winter oats as well is an ideal year to print to plant winter oats. Um, and given the contracts that are there for, for the different companies, I would say that there's there's at least the same amount of oats that went in in 2020 as it went in this year, if not slightly more. So we we would have said there's somewhere around 13,000, 14,000 hectares of winter oats went in in 2020. We're saying there's probably about 15,000 of those going in this year. Um, so overall, we're probably up, uh, if you take those four crops, winter wheat, winter barley, winter oats and oil seed rep, we're probably going to be up somewhere in the region of about 10,000 hectares on what we would have been this time last year. Okay, great. And Jay, if we were to hope for maybe the best conditions between now and when growth kind of starts again in March, what would they look like? Are we are we looking for 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 a small amount of rain or colder conditions or or what are, ideally are we looking for? It's a mixture of everything, Michael. I suppose what we'd like is what we call a normal winter, where you get where you get the I mixture such, of such a thing. She is a normal such winter a thing where, where you get um, as a, I suppose the big fear guys have at the moment, Michael, has been it, it, because it's been so dry that they're, the big fear is that we're going to get an awful lot of rain. Um, and given weather patterns the way they go, that tends to be the case where you get a lot of dry weather, you tend to get that followed up by a lot of wet weather. So even though crops are in good condition at the moment and ground is relatively dry, we don't want uh, a deluge of rain, at, certainly this time of year, because it sits on ground and it just doesn't get away and water tables are, are already high. So we don't want a lot of rain. We do need cold though. Um, especially in particular for winter barley. A lot of people have commented in the last couple of weeks that winter barley is starting to go yellow. Um, and that's probably from the nitrogen demand there that's, 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 that's coming on winter barley because it's trying to tiller because it has been so mild. So what we need is we need those crops to slow down now, just, just get, through the, get through the winter months, the rest of December, January and early February, just tillering as they normally do without putting too much tillers on because that creates extra demand for nutrition. And that's when crops start to go yellow, that yellow color that we tend to get in February, that makes them go yellow earlier. So that kind of entices guys to try and look and see, can we put fertilizer early, which is not what we want to do at all. We want to kind of wait until the growth arrives in late February, early March, before we start, uh, you know, looking after crops then. Okay. And you mentioned fertilizer prices there, Kieran that's probably a big concern for, for every farmer. I think it's in every farmer's mind. How worried should they be this spring uh, as regards to fertilizer prices? And, you know, is there specific actions that they should probably take in a couple of, you know, in the coming months to make sure that they can, I suppose, mitigate as much as of, of the increases as they can? Yeah, I know when you look at nitrogen today, as we as we speak, like you're prob- probably talking about up to 250% up on, up on last year, you know, okay, P&K isn't up to the same extent. So I suppose that's a consideration as well. Um, in terms of actions that farmers can do, look, I suppose really some of the basics don't ever change, like a soil test costs 50 cent an acre, you know. 
I mean, if you haven't done a soil test in recent years, I mean, that has to be the first thing, you know, you know, find out where your index fours are, you know, for P and K that that doesn't need to be applied. There can be massive savings there. And this is the year to do it. And I suppose the other basic is is lime. You know, we should never forget about lime, the cheapest fertilizer. What's the 21, 22, 23 euros a ton? You know, and and it's so so valuable. Um, and especially look if we if we get a chance in the spring to apply lime and, and especially ahead of some of the, the spring crops. But I suppose tying the two of those together for me really is is a nutrient management plan. You know, I think every farmer needs to have one this year. Quantify, you know, get your soil test done. Try and quantify uh, what what level of, of fertilizer you need to get, and then obviously match that out into the individual fields depending on on the soil indexes there. So I. Think I think really they're the they're the big ones. I suppose the obvious one then is the likes of organic manures. If you can get your hands in it, you know, look, that's there's obviously good value there and good savings if you can get it. And I suppose then just some of the other smaller things, you know, in terms of, you know, if you're in low indexes and you're probably most people are just going to put out enough to match offtakes this year rather than looking at purchasing fertilizer for buildup. So, you know, if you are in low index ones and twos, the likes of placing phosphorus rather than surface broadcasting, those things, you know, they all do make a little difference. And I suppose when you combine them all together, you help to, to save costs, I suppose, and, and target your fertilizer where it is needed. Well, I guess, Karen, for for farmers uh, who have all the winter crops in, they really no choice but to but to keep going with them. Uh, I suppose at this stage. But for the spring crops that aren't in, do you think there might be some farmers who will decide not to plant due to very high fertilizer costs? Yeah, we 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 often discuss this one. I suppose from time to time, more more, more so usually when grain prices are really low than 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 relation to, to input costs. And like if you if you be crude about it and do the maths. You know, some fields won't, you know, won't, some crops won't wash their face, you know. So I think, you know, it's it might be even a part of a field that's just a wet headland or a wet part of a field. You may decide not to plant it. And I mean, if fertilizer prices stay the way they are, I mean, that, you know, everybody can do a crop budget. But like if you're not going to achieve a break even yield. Well, obviously, it, do, it doesn't make sense in, in those situations. I suppose spring barley is going to be the big crop there. But I suppose then looking at other options, I mean, look at legumes, look at beans. You know, you'd expect that there would be a good demand for, for beans this year, given obviously you, you don't need any nitrogen, which is the, the dearest input that we have this year. And obviously then the knock-on benefit that that brings into, into succeeding crops as well. So I think certainly you know, going away from the likes of spring barley, looking at beans, people might also assess spring oilseed rape, you know, with very good good prices there for oilseed rape at the moment. That might be another option. So it might be just getting away from that spring barley scenario, looking at other crop options, I suppose, really. To answer your question about not planting, Michael, I think it really comes down to a, a crop budget, you know, and if that field can't give a target yield, well, there has to be a plan B then. Like. Yeah, so know, know your field and do a budget. I think that's, that, that's very good. Karen, you, you mentioned organic manure earlier and it's it's probably something that if you if you haven't really got access to them this year they're probably going to be less available this year because anybody you know everybody's going to, going to want be wanting them as much as they can but for those who are lucky enough to have organic manures are there a couple of maybe key things that people should be planning on trying to do to try and maximize the the nitrogen from those or even the pnk from that organic manures 
Yeah, just a few small points, and I suppose a lot of people are familiar with them, just to reiterate them. I suppose certainly in terms of, of maximizing the level of nitrogen that you get from organic manures, the key is incorporation. And, it's you know, it's it's doing it as soon as possible, you know, certainly within three to six hours, if, if that can be done. And that, you know, it's difficult. We all know to coordinate, you know, getting organic manure spread and having the plow in the field and matching the, the work rates and that between the two as well. So. I think, you know, this year more than ever, you know, to try and coordinate that as best you can, that that certainly gives you the best chance of recovering uh, the maximum amount of, of, of nitrogen there. Um, also, I suppose, in terms of spreading, you know, low emissions obviously is um, is, is more favorable than splash plate, you know, whether that's 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 probably dribble bar maybe or, 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 or trailing shoe. And I suppose the other maybe small one on, on, on spreading is, is to uh, test the the dry matter, you know, um, you know, certainly you, you can adjust your application rate depending on the dry matter. And quite often, you know, with, with some slurries, you know, there can be quite low dry matter. So again, adjust the application rate there. And maybe one final one for me and that one, Michael, maybe target low index soils, you know, the soils, the fields that will get the most benefit from organic manures. Maybe they would be just a kind of few small things for me and organic manures okay. anyway. So Shay, turning a bit then towards the schemes, and obviously there's a big change coming coming down the line in terms of the new cap, of which is coming in 2023 rather than 2022. However, you know, farmers are going to be planting crops in the autumn of 2022 for the 2023 year, and will probably have an eye on those rules. And from what we understand of the rules today, are there big changes in scope for tillage farmers? And, and do you think that might affect how you know, the cropping plans of farmers um, will be will have to be adjusted maybe for 2023? Yeah, as you say, Michael, there, there is, there's quite a change coming for, for farmers in terms of the way that they're going to claim their schemes from 2023 onwards. And I think um, while we see some of the proposals there at the moment, they are, they are going to be finalised over the coming months. So I think over the next 12 months, farmers should be keeping abreast of what those uh, new rules and regulations are going to be. But if we look at what's what's there at the moment, I think there's no doubt that some farmers will see some change. But I think a lot of farmers, if some of the some of the new um, options that are going to be included, say on the likes of the eco schemes, I think that it should be or most farmers should be able to get out uh, without having too many changes on, on their farm. So I suppose the ones that kind of stand out for tillage farmers at the moment, I suppose, when you look at some of the options that are there on the eco schemes and bearing in mind that the new eco scheme is going to be 25% of your overall payment and it is voluntary, uh, the ones that kind of generally um, are, that are getting noticed at the moment is, is the idea of leaving space for nature. Uh, and not sowing some areas and letting it go go wild as such. Um, and there may be some farms where that might suit and some parts of the farm that, that might actually suit some of those low uh, yielding areas or something like that. So that that may have an effect in, in 10 months time when guys are coming back to sow again. There are other options there like planting trees that again might, might suit or might not suit. Um, some farmers and then there's other options that might come in there in terms of the gps fertilizer spreaders or use of gps fertilizer spreaders whether that will be allowed or not we're not sure at this stage but certainly it would be a measure that a lot of tillage farmers could use so it would it would uh, facilitate the the claiming of that eco scheme without much 
real uh, change in terms of cropping plan for for a farmer. Uh, and then there are other ones that are potentially on the table as well that we hope would would get over the line. The likes of the the uh, crop diversity and rotation. So if that if that gets over the line again, a lot of farmers would probably qualify for that already. But there are farmers out there who might have to tweak their planting uh, somewhat. Probably not a huge amount, but somewhat in order to comply with those. So look at, I suppose, the best thing farmers can actually do over the next eight or 10 months is just keep an eye on those on those schemes. Sit down with an advisor, wherever that might be, whether it be a chocolates advisor or a private advisor, and just plan out what's the best way to, to, to meet the, the criteria for those schemes that's going to have the least impact, both in terms of the crops that you grow, but also financially uh, on your farm. So I think that's the critical thing is that when guys sit down to plan or to plan their planting uh, strategy for next uh, in next September or October, that they have an actual plan in place and they know where they're going. So I think that's as, that's as important as anything. And, and, and I suppose um, the, the money part of it is probably the other side of that. There's a practical issue, but there's also money as well. So from tillage farmers would probably have had a higher payments perhaps than other farmers. How do you think that's going to be affected in the new scheme? Will there be in general kind of a big reduction? Would it be 10% or 20% or will it be maybe the same? I'm, I'm not sure. It, it, again, yeah, I suppose tillage farmers traditionally have had the highest payment per hectare. And, and, and as we know, the convergence issue is not going away and that's going to continue on from 2023 onwards. So there's no doubt that tillage farmers uh, if if convergence alone is going to have an impact on on their on their on their payments, so that certainly is an issue there. Uh, but that said, I mean there are other schemes that are going to come come down the line. So there will be more protein payments. There will be uh, this. We hope that the straw incorporation scheme will will continue on. So there there will be those two schemes itself, which guys can try and claim back some of that lost revenue that they're getting from the from the, the schemes through convergence and then hopefully in 2023 we'll also see a new environmental scheme as well and I think this is one area where you know farmers again need to sit down and do a bit of planning here uh, and see what are the options in these schemes and what can they practically do on their farms and I, I even see from the from the current last scheme there's been a big sea change in the last um, two or three years whereby Originally, say if we take the catch crops as a measure in that, a lot of fellas would have planted catch crops just to claim the payment for it lasts. Whereas now guys are looking at that catch crop, they're planting it to grow a crop that's going to either trap nutrients that are there and release them back to the soil the next year, or they're getting another payment through grazing it or something like that. So I think what guys actually have to do is sit down, plan what they what they can do, how they can reduce down the amount of money they're going to lose if they can do it at all. Convergence is going to happen one way or the other. There's nothing they can do about that. But they need to have a strategy in place about how they can maximize the revenue through the other schemes. So if you like, they need to farm the schemes as much as farm the crops themselves. And in that way, then they ensure to get as much money back through the schemes as they possibly can. Uh, and Jay, I suppose that it, it, I suppose the chances are, or the thinking is that tilly farmers will probably will be down a little bit, little bit of money in comparison to um, where they were previous to this. Do, do you think that's going to affect their ability to compete in the land rental market? Um, that's a good question, Michael. I suppose um, yes and no. Um, if we were to take the schemes as 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 the the primary source of income on a lot of tillage farms, yes, it definitely will impact. The, uh, their ability to, to go and compete for land. But the, the other part, part part of that equation is how the how crops are performing and, and 
what grain prices are, are in place over the years that, that we're going to talk about from 23 to 27. So um, if grain prices are high, that generally has uh, 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 that generally increases land prices and increases guys' ability to go and actually compete for that land, both among themselves in terms of tillage farmers, but also against other uh, other farmers as well, whether it be dairying or beef or or whatever. Um, but I think certainly if there if we see a, a, a decrease on tillage payments in terms of how they're competing with it increase maybe with other sectors maybe beef farmers or sheep farmers might get an increase if they're if they're convergence if they're converging up well that certainly will distort the market a little bit uh, compared to where it is at the moment and Karen, just coming back to you for a second of course the the single farm payment is only part of a tillage farmer's income with grain and straw probably making up the bulk of it from year to year um prices for grain are certainly very high probably haven't been as high for a long time where do you think um, farmers are at the moment in terms of taking a position before harvest or maybe taking a chance that they're actually going to, I suppose, expect the price to stay the same or to even improve all the way up to harvest? Yeah, I suppose my my feeling is from talking to farmers that very few are kind of doing business in terms of forward selling at the moment. Um, you know, there are some very attractive prices out there, you know, the, the tour 50. 250 from both miles certainly is and I know some of that has been taken certainly um, I suppose traditionally um, harvest prices have tended to be better than 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 the forward prices prior to the harvest so I suppose some that some farmers are reluctant to a lot of people remember 2012 and and got a bit burnt there and that's that is also a factor but I, I I'd have to say on the other side of it like if you're making money at a price you know we all want to sell at the top of the market absolutely but you know if you're making money at a price and you can budget and especially the way fertilizer is at the moment you know if I can if I can make money at whatever price I'm 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 being offered at the moment it definitely does reduce risk for your business you know as I say, it might not be the top price. You might end up getting an average price up when you put the whole lot together, but it does reduce risk. So you'd, you'd have to say that. And I suppose, you know, I'm not going to predict whether what, what harvest prices will be, but like, there, you know, if you if you go back in the last 10, 20 years, we've only had probably four years where you've had exceptionally high grain prices. Obviously, this year they were excellent, 18, uh, 12, and the other one was probably 07, if I remember rightly. So, you know, it doesn't, We, you know, as someone said one time, the cure for, for high grain prices is high grain prices. So I suppose, look, if you can take some of that, you know, and make money at that, you know, maybe that, that reduces your risk overall. Yeah, because uh, otherwise you're, you're you're taking a punt either ways. Whether you wait for it or you take it, you're taking a punt either ways. I suppose that's the that, that's the thing that always strikes me about something like that. But but thinking about other costs, cost, and I know we've already talked about um, fertilizer and there's uh, possibly supply issues with that. But but for the other cost that that a a farmer tillage farmer is going to have to put their money into, should tillage farmers be thinking about maybe planning and gathering stocks of maybe for instance some of the plant protection products a bit earlier this year just so they have them in store rather than maybe being a little bit stuck? Yeah, I think so. Look, everything is moving slower nowadays, whether that's freight, Brexit, there's there's a lot of reasons there. So, I mean, if you have crops in the ground, you know you're going to need certain inputs, you know, certainly to have some of them in, in, in store is always good advice. I, mean, I suppose the obvious one that jumps off the page outside of fertilizer is seed, you know, spring seed. Um, most farmers know within reason now what their area spring crops will be, you know, so certainly ordering spring cereal seed, especially the likes of beans, we know bean seed will be tight. So, 
again getting that getting that ordered as well. And and then as I say, look, maybe some element of plant protection products get prices when they're available. They're probably not available yet, but we know from the example like Roundup, you know, some some products are going to be more expensive or some less available. You know, again, so maybe getting a, a handle on some of those and just having some of those in stock mightn't be a bad idea. Okay. And finally, and thanks very much, guys, for, for your time for this. But finally, just a question for, for both of you. Is there a, a couple of areas where you think farmers should really prioritize as they go into 2022? Maybe, Kieran, as, as, as you were on, 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 the, on the microphone, you might maybe go first. Yeah, I'll, I, I, I'm going to repeat, I suppose, two things I've said already. One is have a plan, you know, do a crop budget, you know, see where the figures are. Can, will this crop, you know, make money at a given price? If it will, then my second thing for 22 is maybe sell a little bit of that grain to, 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 to take that price. That's an offer to reduce some of the risk. Okay. And Shay? Yeah, again, it's all, it's all around planning, Michael. I would say uh, from the point of view of fertilizer, guys need to know, what their fertilizer requirements are, the need to have a nutrient management plan going into the 2022, not as a record at the end of 22. They need to know now what they what they need to apply to their crops in order to maximize their yield and at the cost that, that fertilizers there that are there now. It was never as important to do that at this time of year rather than, as I say, later on in the year. The other thing I think guys should look at too, Michael, is that strong corporation scheme. And I think, again, with fertilizer in the back of my mind, there are two elements of that strong corporation scheme. Number one, that it puts carbon back into the soil and you actually get a payment for doing that. But also don't forget it puts, uh, puts uh, nutrition back into the soil as well. And given where the cost of fertilizer are at the moment, if fertilizers continue in the where they are over the next 12 or 18 months then that straw that you're putting back into the ground is more valuable than what the what, what it has been heretofore so i think again guys need to look at that scheme and see does it suit them uh, and if there are fields that need maybe an extra bit of nutrition well maybe that's where they need to go and perhaps shave the next best uh, option to that is is maybe do a straw for farmyard manure type swap or or or, or deal on that i think that, that, that would be yes. an excellent way to go yep. as well yeah Kieran and Shay, thank you very much for your time. I'm delighted to get a bit of a, a view for what's coming up in, in, in 2022. And look, no doubt we'll be talking to both of you quite a bit in, in 2022. Again, thanks, thanks guys. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for the Tilly Judge for 2021. And my thanks to Shay and Kieran for joining me on the podcast. Let's hope that 2022 brings the same harvest with good weather, yields, and prices. Finally, don't forget if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend and colleague. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.